Uh, thank you all for coming here, those who are in the room, and thank you uh, for those of you who are watching. What we want to do is we want to worship God by singing songs and then calling on his name. Great is your name and greatly to be praised. I don't know how the Lord speaks to you for me. It just, uh, it's just real simple sometimes. Like, hey, Jose, you should do that. So as I was walking up, just like on the side over there, just walking this way, like, I feel like we should pray uh, for a couple of groups of people. And obviously, you're going to know this makes sense to pray. So this isn't like out of nowhere. But uh, if you're in, involved in the medical community, nursing, doc, doctor, or just in the supply chain, uh, these are difficult times, aren't they? They're really, really challenging times. And if you're involved in educa uh, education and you're trying to like inform and encourage people off your laptop, I, God bless you. I, just, I don't even know how you're doing it. But um, if that's you, could you just give me a wave here? You're in the medical community or you're in education somewhere. Any of you? Some, some, some. Uh, those of you, many of you at home. I'm going to ask you to do something courageous. You got a mask on, so it's like your superhero. Nobody even knows who you are. Like, uh, if you're in the room, could you just stand for a second? We're not trying to put you on the spot. We're not giving away money. Uh, just, yeah, that would be a great, better idea. Hey! Now, if you're in it, please, please, please. Here's what we want to do. If you're around them, and for those of you who are at home, you can think of someone in the church or just in your, uh, someone who's educating your kids, your primary care physician, whoever that might be, we just want to t uh, take a moment and pray the life of God for those who are involved in uh, the front line of keeping people moving forward, okay? So let's just do that. If you're here in the room, why don't you stretch a hand towards someone who's around you? It's just solidarity. It's like, I'm with you. Um, and if you're at home, think about this person. And Lord, we just lift them up to you. God, we thank you for raising up women and men to be a part of the rescue of, of all of us in times of need. We thank you for those who've been gifted and called to work in education and to build up the next generation of people to serve and lead. And Lord, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven towards our friends here, towards the people we're praying towards who are not a part of our church, who maybe don't even have a faith or a knowledge of who you are. We want to see your blessing over their life. We pray blessing and favor and strength and renewed joy to serve in these difficult times. We pray these things in the beautiful and the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Awesome. Uh, checks will be available for you on the way out. <laughs> Actually, not really. <laughs> but, uh, thank you. It's good to just pray, right? And um, uh, uh, here's a tip. Whenever you think God's doing something and it's going to lift up and build someone else, it's probably on track. If you think that God's saying something to you and it's more like just about you, I would just double check it or talk to a friend and say, hey, I'm thinking this. No, that sounds selfish. All right, thanks for the, thanks for the heads up. So that has nothing to do with nothing, but here we go. All right, uh, my name's Jose, and a couple of things before we look at the Bible. We're going to be looking at the end of Genesis today, chapters 37 all the way to 50 in paraphrase. Uh, but a couple of things, if you're here in the room or if you're planning on coming to the room, we do have now a, uh, an area for parents. So if your kids just need a little bit of a break or you want to feed them or whatever, they just need some running room, out in our lobby, there's some tables and chairs, and the video and audio is there so you don't miss anything. I know I talked to a couple who were here at 9 o'clock uh, this morning, and it was when they heard that that was available that they decided they, they're, they're okay to come because their little one just wants some space. So if that helps you, great. You can make use of that every Sunday. Second thing for everyone, our community groups are launching again for our winter session uh, starting on the week of January 31st. That's a week from now. 
And if you're new to our church, it's the lifeblood because we're going to hear things on Sunday. Uh, just the plan is to start our community groups. I'm doing a short three-week series called Church Is. I feel like we've been so far apart. We've been so scattered by life that it would be good in our groups to take three weeks to talk about what is the church and what are some pictures in the Bible about what church is supposed to be so that we can press in and, and talk about how have you seen that, how have you not seen that? Is this a new picture or is this what you've experienced? We want to learn from one another. So that's starting next uh, uh, Sunday. If you're not a part of one, no big deal. You could actually launch one really quickly. Everything is provided. You hear the message, there's a community group study guide that's provided on our website every Sunday, and someone just needs to rise up and say, hey, if we're going long, I'll, I'll be the coach to say, time out, let's move on, or by the way, I've got work tomorrow, you know, it's time for you to leave. Uh, some of them are by Zoom, some will be in person, every group is different. I encourage you, connect, and uh, even if you want to take four or five people that you know and create one, we can help you do that. The conversations do matter. And so, and then for the second half of the community groups, uh, we'll be back in the revelation of Jesus to look at some, some harsh but beautiful pictures in the Bible about the future and your future in God. And so I, I encourage you, uh, just jump in. All right, we're going to do our last week, theoretically, because I told you this was three weeks, and now it's gone four weeks, and it's the beautiful thing of reading the Bible this Week, I was just, my Bible reading plan had me at the end of Genesis. I read these chapters and I was doing a message on Wednesday. I recorded it in our side room for one of our partner churches in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And they had invited me to preach there this Sunday. They're on total lockdown. You think we have it tough? They can't go anywhere for anything other than essential groceries, otherwise, a huge fine. So they're like, hey, Jose, could you come and give it a word? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it by video. And then I recorded the video and realized, oh my goodness, I thought I was preparing a word for them, and, and they did watch it this morning, um, but it was, this was actually for us, double whammy. So I'm like, okay, flip the script, and let's just do this. We want to look at the hope that we can have for the benefit, for the rescue of other people. And in order to do that, I want to recap. Some of you have been gone for a bit or just need a refresher. You don't memorize every word I say. I'm not disappointed. I'm a realist. Uh, what did we look at three weeks ago? Okay, when we hit hard times, when we are discouraged, when we have a heavy heart, we're going to be tempted to do two things. Write them down if you missed it. We're going to be tempted to leave our God-given mission and lose our compassion. When we are hurting, we end up getting off focus getting distracted, and getting so inward that we lose touch with compassion and love for other people. And we saw in Jesus, Jesus doesn't do that. He stays on task, focused on the will of God, and he cares about other people, even the very people who are trying to hurt him. Jesus has a compassionate heart. Okay, that's how we live with hope. We look outward and we look upward. We don't get overly focused not to say you're not important, you are, but you're not the center of the story. God is. The second thing we thought of, okay, how do we move from those dark places out? Week two was about hope for our restoration. And we looked at Psalm 126. It's a psalm of ascent where God's people would, would literally sing the psalm 
as they were walking up to Jerusalem, they saw the place of God up there. They would sing the faithfulness of God. And we were reminded, what do we need to do? We need to keep walking and talking and we need to keep seeking and asking together. We need to, the people of God went to Jerusalem to worship, not the person. And what happens is sometimes when we're, we're feeling hurt or we're, we're, we're feeling down, we push people away rather than inviting them close. And the invitation to live with hope is to say, who are you walking with? Who are you talking with? Who are you seeking God with? Who are you asking God for? Like, how are you doing this together because hope is a collective thing. And when I am down, I need you. And when you're down, you may need me. And so we remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. And then we ask God, do it again. This is the cycle of hope. By the way, we're not the first people to go through trouble. Read the Bible. The world has always been filled with trouble and the presence of God. All right, that was week two. And then week three, we looked at the hard subject. What do we do when we fail? It's one thing to say we're down because we can't eat out or because we can't travel. But what do we do when we are guilty and we feel like the pain of that? And we saw the contrast in Matthew. We looked at Peter, who learned how to fail well. Judas, who's the type of the person who fails and then fails again. And, and we saw, what do we do when we sin? We ought to weep over it. Peter weeps over his denial of Jesus. And we ought to bring it to Jesus. Uh, Peter is there when Jesus is risen. Peter is there and he, he meets with God. And Peter is there and hears the words of Jesus. Feed my lambs. I'm giving you another chance. If you love me, keep going. If you love me, don't give up. If you love me, I've got things for you. So there's hope for us when we fail. Judas, what does he do? He isolates. Instead of running to the other brothers that he had who were following Jesus say, I, I failed, he went and he hid in his shame and he ended up taking his life. It's a warning that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you can't wreck your life. As a matter of fact, I've met quite a few people who follow Jesus and have wrecked their lives. It doesn't have to happen. You can live with hope. All right, so this last one I want to look at is hope for the rescue of others. How can we grow in leading ourselves and other people through the hard times of life so that we can grow to be the kind of people that are making a difference even in difficulty? Okay, to do that, I want to look at the long story of Joseph. Here's the plan. Some of us know it well. Some of us, this is new. I'm going to look at his life. And the episodes in the Bible that show us what Joseph is like are very informative. They're there for a reason. God never wastes space. His story can be like episodes in our story. And then I want to look at three things that you see in Joseph that can help you to even lead well during difficult days, personal difficult days, or difficult days in your business or in your family, or obviously in our world. Let's look at the sweeping story first, and then we'll just... It will take a few minutes to, to apply these ideas. All right, uh, Genesis 37, we'll put it on the screen for you and you at home, uh, starting in verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he had made for him an ornate robe. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who's called Israel. 
Jacob, who's also called Israel, has 12 sons, and Joseph is number 11. Uh, Joseph had a dream, verse 5, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to him, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain, so they're farmers, out in the field. And when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, when your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. How convenient. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had and what he had said. I want us to look at what's happening so far. Joseph is 11 of 12 in their day. Power went from dad to eldest. So if the eldest son got everything. The, all of the inheritance, all of the power went from kind of like the, the kings of old, like in Europe, it goes from king to eldest son. And this is interesting. Joseph gets some insight that he believes is from God. He's number 11 on the chain. It, it's like, you know, the, the monarchy where you're like the sub, 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 sub. You're never going to rule, but you have a title. Well, Joseph, he has a sense from God, and he tells his brother, and then he has a second dream we won't read, which is almost like the first, and he tells his whole family, hey, I have this sense that I'm supposed to lead all of you. <laughs> and, and obviously, they, they don't like him. It says they, they hate him. Just jump down to chapter 37, verse 19. They're out in the field, and they say, here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns, which is like an empty cave where water collected, and, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his of his dreams. Talk about family dysfunction. I mean, I don't want to make light of your family trouble. All of us, all of us, our family impacts our life, probably more than we even want to give credit. And so your family background speaks into your story. Here's his family background. Abraham heard from God, met God. It's called a theophany. God appeared to Abraham, his great-grandfather. And his grandfather, Isaac, God appeared to him like came down and appeared to him. And he knew he would have been taken to the very place because whenever God met with them, they set up these places of worship as a reminder God was here. And then his dad, Isaac, um, I'm sorry, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, his dad. Jacob, who's also called Israel, he met with God. And so he has this long line of hearing from God. Now he has this dream and he's like, wow, God's about to do something and, and everyone's out to get him. So just because you're called by God and God has something for your life does not mean you're not going to go through tough times. Joseph is the story of how to lead well, how to live with hope when all, all hell is breaking loose against you. So if you've ever been hurt by a family member, deeply wounded by someone that you love and is supposed to love you, friend, look at me, you are not alone. Other people have gone through this. How, how does Joseph not become bitter? Well, he's, he's sold. They don't kill him, but they sell him off. They make a profit off their brother. And just jump ahead to chapter 39. And I just want to read the sweeping story of his life. We'll come back to us, but this is important. Uh, verse 1 now of chapter 39 says, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, so he's an important guy, 
bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. So he went from a slave, bought, to now, ooh, now like he's got a little bit of authority. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, notice this, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. So he gets an upgrade. He gets like a, a promotion with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So this is, this is interesting and this is important. When we are going through tough times, we can forget the plot line. The plot line is that God wants to use you for the blessing of others. Remember what God had told Abraham. I am going to bless the world through your family line, including Joseph. So he had the sense already that God has something. And if you're following Jesus, you need to know something. Your life is meant to be lived for the good of the world that God has put you in. Where you work, where you live, your physical neighborhood, your roommates, your school, all of these places were designed for God's presence and goodness to dwell. How does God visit with people? Through you. This is the plan. So Potiphar's doing okay until Joseph comes. And do you know that you can be used by God in the most difficult place? You don't have to work in a Christian environment to be used by God. As a matter of fact, uh, I envy you if you do not work in a Christian environment. So you say, oh, say like, man, I'm dying to work for the church. Well, I'm, I'm dying to work where you work. Because I think you can see your greatest impact and live the light of following Jesus in the darkest place. And while it may be hard, friend, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to follow Jesus wherever you go and let God bring his presence and blessing through you. That's, that's how we live with hope. Even if we want to get out of our environment, God works our environment. Well, until, until it goes south again. So his family disappoints him, and now he's got trouble at work. Potiphar works as the captain of the guard, so he goes out with Pharaoh, and he's doing his work. And, and Joseph is home alone with Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife sees that Joseph is attractive and says, hey, you're kind of my slave. You should, you should, you know, make sure I have lunch and dinner, and we should, you know, little, we should have our own fun time. And he's like, no way. I would never do that. Again and again, she harasses him. I won't bother reading the story to the point where at some point she grabs him and he runs because he wants to honor God. No one would have known about it, but God would have, so he wants to honor God. He runs away, he leaves his jacket, and then she, in a plot twist, goes to her husband and says, this slave that you bought tried to take me. And then he goes from the top of the household, thrown into prison, from his home into the cistern to be killed, from Potiphar's house on top into a physical prison where he's left. Look at just the end of chapter 39, verse uh, 20. Uh, 
Yeah, verse, I'm sorry, yeah, verse, verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Do you notice the trend here? God's blessing him in his house. God's blessing him at his place of work. Now God's blessing him in jail. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success wherever he went. So you could have trouble in the home, God could work through that. You could have trouble at work, God could even work through that because if you find yourself in prison and he's wrongly accused and wrongly convicted, even there, God can work through you. And this is such a hope-filled message because there's so many unknowns and it's easy. Friend, it is easy to dwell on why. Why me? Like, why did this happen to me, Lord? It's easy to dwell on why. Lord, why now? Lord, why won't you, and I'll let you fill in the blank. Why won't you get me out? Why won't you... Why won't you plead my case? Why, why won't you give me another chance? Why, why, why? And here's what we find in Joseph. He seems to be focused on what can I do to honor you, God, wherever you put me. This is a helpful word for us, especially right now with a global turn. Uh, er the whole script of the world has been flipped. No one knows their future. Everyone thought they knew their future. Now everyone knows you don't know what you thought you knew. None of us. We don't know how long. And, oh, and the, oh, the good part is the vaccine's going to take care of everything as it sits in refrigerators. Or you're like saying, did you say the vaccine word? Don't go, don't, don't go Jose, don't go talking about that vaccine. Because you know that that, pro-vaccination, anti-vaxxer, pro-this party, pro-that. We have had so much upheaval that the only thing we could agree upon is we can't agree upon anything. In the middle of this prison, God wants to work in you and through you, hear me, for the good of others. All right, what happens next? So Joseph, again, we haven't gotten to us yet. You need to see the story. Joseph is there, and then God uses him again. There are two people that are close to the top leader, the Pharaoh. They're thrown in prison. One's a baker, one's a cupbearer, which means he's responsible to bring food and wine to the king. He's a trusted associate because if anyone wants to kill the king, it's going to kill, kill the cupbearer because he has to sample it first. How's that for a job? So they're both thrown in prison, and there they both have dreams that are disturbing, and they realize Joseph is someone that can understand what God has said. And so what happens is while they're there, Joseph is able to clearly tell them what God is saying about their future. Hey, you're both going to get out really fast. And um, for one of you, you're not going to live long. Sorry. For the other one of you, Mr. Cupbearer, you're going to be fully restored. Here, here, here's all I'm asking. I'm just telling you what God told me. Just don't, don't leave me here. Remember me when you get out. Exactly what he said comes to pass. And the baker, his life is gone within days. And the cupbearer is given his old position back. But I want us to see at the end of chapter 40 what happens to Joseph. This is like a, 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 re, a repeat and a reference. It's like, it's like Groundhog Day. 
The same thing keeps happening over and over again. He goes from good to, to struggle. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And then chapter 41, verse 1, when two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So I want us to catch this. The rest of the story is about what happens when God puts the right person in the right place. And Joseph had no idea how God was going to do it, but he took him from his own little family, and he brings him to the center of power, and then he's going to use this because Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph is going to be given the opportunity to tell Pharaoh what this means. But I want us to notice the cycle. Every time he's honoring God, he hits a roadblock. Every time he's following God's leading, he hits another trouble. So if that's your story... You, uh, if you feel like you've been overlooked, if you feel like you've been forgotten, if you feel like you haven't gotten what you deserve, how about this guy? He did the right thing. Two years of additional prison time when all the cupbearer had to do was to speak a kind word and say, there's a friend who helped me and I think he's been treated unfairly and he didn't do it. So if you feel like your family's uh, hurt you, you're not alone. If you feel like you're at work, you're not understood, you've been, you've been judged wrongly, you're not alone. If you feel like your friends that you've helped out have left you high and dry, guess what? You are not alone. But notice what happens uh, next. Chapter 41, verses 15 and 16. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, because he told him the dream, I had a dream, no one could interpret it, but I've heard it said that, her, that uh, of you when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16 is key. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give you or give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And this is huge. Joseph has this way about him where he realizes who he is and who God is. And this is, this is massive if you want to grow in leading in your life with God. Joseph doesn't think much of himself. He has a very high view of the power of God to do what the power of God wants to be done. And so he's willing to be open to be used. But he tells Pharaoh, remember, this is the most influential person in his known world. It would have been the perfect time to say, yes, Pharaoh, I can do this for you. This is a word to us Jesus followers. When God opens a door for you and God opens a way for you and you are put in a position where you have the ability to be useful and used by God in your situation, do me a favor, give the credit to Jesus. Give the credit to Jesus because at this point, we learn God loves to use people who are going to give him the credit. God is careful with people who are going to make it all about themselves. And by the way, the brothers are making it all about themselves. And Joseph stands out as someone who, who is for God. And he tells his boss you know what, I can't do it, but God can do it for you. And then jump to the end of this like little narrative, verse 39 of chapter 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made known all of this to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be put in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. He was 17 when he first had the sense that God was at work in his life. How old is he now? 
probably around early 30s. Uh, this is a word to every young leader in this room. Whether you're in middle school or you're just out of college or you're just getting you know, launched in your career, what we want is we want success quickly and we want it without hard times. Remember Joseph. Remember he was faithful in the little. He was faithful in his house and his brothers rejected him. He's faithful to God in Potiphar's house and Potiphar rejects him. He's faithful in prison and the prisoners reject him. He's faithful in front of Pharaoh and he gets a massive upgrade. God will upgrade your life at the right time. God will open the door for you at the right time. And here's the thing. We're reading the whole story. Joseph's living it in real time. You don't know when God's about to elevate you. So live faithful to God now. And you'll find at the right time, he's going to open that door. All right. The rest of the narrative is about what God was going to do to rescue many people. You see, God was going to tell Pharaoh through Joseph that there are going to be seven years of plenty. Oh, but then seven years of absolute famine. So, so what God wanted to do was to rescue all the people. Nobody, including Joseph, knew this. But what God does is he raises up a person and he tests him and he sees if he's going to live faithful. And, and in Joseph's case, he does live faithful. And so he's got the right person at the right place at the right time. And this is a word to us. This is a very unsettling time to try and follow Jesus. Can I just suggest to you, this is the best time to live faithful to Jesus right now. Because you have no idea what's coming out of this and where God may want to elevate you for the good of other people. Now, a side note, those of you who love geography, which is like none of you, um, none of you, but this is helpful. So far in Genesis, it's all been upon a land called Canaan. God was going to give this land to his people in the future. It would become Israel, would become Jerusalem, would become the temple. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all their life is here. Now, the blessing of God was on them here. The blessing of God is coming to Egypt here. And what God is going to do is going to blow everyone's mind. He's not just interested in one group of people. He's interested in the whole world. And Joseph shows that the blessing of God comes through God's people wherever they are. And God loves the world so much that he sends his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would never perish but have life that lasts forever. Who's that from? Jesus. And by the way, if you've ever studied the Bible, Joseph is an almost exact parallel to Jesus. Now, Joseph's not perfect. He told the dream a little early, got himself in trouble. Jesus is perfect. But the storyline, if you've ever studied the Bible carefully, Joseph is almost a signpost to what Jesus is going to be like. How do we lead? How do we lead in God's mission to rescue the whole world? Well, we live like Joseph. And so Joseph is put in the spot to rescue many people. Can I just suggest to you, your career has very little to do with your retirement plan. Your career path. You say, well, I always wanted to do this or I did this. A study, but I ended up going over here, and I don't even know I went from this major, and now I'm working here. Can I suggest you, if you're following Jesus, it could be God's leading. Joseph never intended to live in Egypt. He wanted to live in the land of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but God knew what he was going to do, 
and he knew how to move his people. And Joseph is one of those people who's just receptive to the voice of God. And so you, you never know how you got there, but God can work with you while you're where you are. Some people say, like, man, I just, I wish I could get out of this spot because I really want God to use me. Well, that's okay if God is stirring you to something new. That's totally cool. Sometimes he does that. Most of the time he's saying, I'm trying to use you. Here I am. I'm actually trying to use you here. I don't know why I'm here. It could be you are there because God is at work and he knows that you're useful. And this is good news. All right. I promised you three things that we can learn from Joseph. Here they are really quickly. First thing is Joseph holds on to God's promises through it all. And don't forget the phrase through it all. Because what we want, and especially a word to my younger friends who are getting started, um, what we've seen is rapid, we've seen rapid growth. You know, we see a guy who has an idea about an electric car, and the next thing you know, it's Tesla. And, and it's just like, why didn't I buy early on? Because that thing's just exploded. And like, how could someone build a multi-billion dollar career in 15 years? Can I just tell you, that's not reality. The real world is it could take you your entire adult life to build credibility and growth. Don't be afraid of slow growth. We want it quick. You don't see that in Joseph. He's got at least 13 years of struggle before God elevates him to his high level of leadership. But he holds on to God's promise through it all. So when he's thrown in the cistern, he's faithful. When he's thrown into jail, he's faithful. When he's left in prison, he's faithful. When he gets to Pharaoh, he's faithful to give glory to God. And, and you and I can live this way. Genesis 50-20 summarizes the entire life of Joseph. He's, he's brought before his brothers, who it turns out he should now throw in jail. Joseph's in the position of power. His brothers need food to live. And you know what? When he finally reveals himself to his brothers, here's what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what you see now, the salvation of many of many lives. Joseph is able to put his life in perspective. Everything that happens to you is not good. So I'm not here to say you got, you know, you got fired uh, for wrong reasons. That's good. That's not good. That's terrible. But I am here to say if you follow Jesus, you could see things from a Jesus perspective that, Lord, you know my heart. You know I wasn't wrong. God, help me to see what you're doing in this time. He's able to see that God-given perspective. So let me just ask you, what are the promises that Jesus has made to you? What has he told you? When, when Joseph is 17 years old, he has a sense of where God is leading him. Not everyone has that at 17, but at some point, you probably are getting a grip on what Jesus wants to do in your world. Remember it, especially in hard times. I remember when I was a kid, no joke, when I was 16, 17, I had the sense that I... And I had no reason for it, trust me. I had the sense that I'm going to go to places around the world, 
stand in front of tens of thousands of people and tell people about Jesus. And if I was 16 years old, 17 years old, and my wife's here, and she could verify it. That's exactly what I said I'm going to do. I had a sense, but that didn't happen at 18. As a matter of fact, I didn't go to various other places till my late 20s, and I was frustrated in my early 20s. God, why are you slow? And he's like, why are you thick? I'm trying to build you. And if you let God build you, he'll take care of what he does through you. So don't let, don't let yourself get so frustrated that you miss that God's trying to build you. And don't let your current problems overshadow God's clear promises. Don't let the current thing that you're going through overshadow God's clear promises in your life. If God said it, he'll do it. Now, some of us need to remember, not everything I think I'm supposed to do is from God. <laughs> so some of your dreams are just you dreams, and they're okay to have. Your dreams are, are pretty cool, but follow God's dreams. And if yours get pulled to the side, that's totally okay. All right, second thing, Joseph cultivates a listening ear. What you see in his life is it starts off where he's, he's able to discern the sheaves, the stalks of grain, and then the bowing. Okay, then he has another dream. And then, and then he, he has a, he's able to interpret someone else's dream. That's a different one. He didn't have it. He's able to see that. And then, then Pharaoh's given a word, and he's able to see that. And what it means is that we can grow in discerning what God is saying. And it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over a lifetime. And we need to cultivate... Um, Here's a cool thing about Joseph you need to know. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob had wow moments with God. God came and visited. Joseph never gets one. You know that? Joseph never has a wow moment. Like God never appears to him. He just has a sense of what God's trying to say. So what am I suggesting? You don't have to have a wow moment. We're looking for a wow moment. We're looking for like, God, clearly I was there at Chick-fil-A and at the place of Jesus' chicken and God spoke to me about, no, well, you could just be at home and opening your Bible and have a wow moment there. Do you know every time I open my Bible, it's a wow moment? Because like the author of the book is speaking and the same Holy Spirit who inspired people thousands of years ago to write is now, if I'm a Jesus follower, living inside of me. Like, where is God at work? Here. So, so don't look for the spectacular. Joseph doesn't get it. But I would think we would say his life is pretty wow. <laughs> I think we would say. So don't shortchange little bits of discipline. Don't shortchange... Moments you say, Jose, I can't pray for an hour. Can you pray for a minute? Well, I can't sit still for an hour. Can you sit still for a minute? Well, I can't read like chapters of the Bible every day. That's funny. You could stream Netflix for six hours straight, not even go to the bathroom, and you're telling me you can't sit still with the Bible that you could actually listen to, that you could actually watch a video about, that actually you could podcast 10,000 fantastic preachers in various languages explaining it, and we wonder why we don't hear from God. Could it be 
that Joseph's slow cultivation of a life with God leads him to a place where he can be useful to God. You want to be useful to God in big places? I would just say, spend time with God in quiet places. And by the way, you should write that down because that came out of nowhere and I'm going to listen to it later and encourage my own soul. All right. Third one and we're done. <laughs> All right, Joseph, what does he do? He resists a critical spirit. He resists this critical spirit. Joseph had every reason to hate his brothers. And you know what? Your life may be really hard. And I don't want to downplay that. The suffering that Joseph goes through is enormous. Your family, your boss, your friends, everyone disappoints you. And yet Joseph has a Jesus-like perspective. He's able to see everything as useful to God to get him to the place where he could be useful to the world. And I want to tell you, following Jesus is about being useful to the world. Um, God wants to work in our world through us. And I encourage you this year, you can be grounded with hope by remembering life's not about us. It's about God working through us for the salvation of many. And one person obeying God leads, in this particular case, to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I don't know. I didn't do a census back then. So I don't know how many people were saved. But I know entire families didn't die of starvation because of the act of obedience of one of God's followers. Now, if God could do that with Joseph pre-tech, no, I mean, just living in the, in the old school days, what could God do through you? Well, let me leave you with this question, and we want to wrestle with this as we worship. What has God spoken that you need to remember? Let's start there. What has God, God already said? You say, well, God never spoken to me. Have you ever read anything in the Bible? He's spoken to you. So maybe start there. Or maybe there's some, some of you are like, no, I know. God years ago gave me this thought that I should whatever. Well, what has he said? Hold on to that. Remember it. We're going to invite the team to come. We're going we're to respond with worship. But in doing that, what we want to do is use these moments to have room for the Holy Spirit to remind us. I think part of our challenge is we just forget. We think God's not faithful because we, we think we don't have what we need right now. And then we neglect, oh, oh wow, he did and 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 he did. So he has every reason to be seen as faithful. But if I forget, then I may live in a way that's not faithful. So maybe we should start there. Here's what we're going to do. When we sing, I'm going to ask you, to sing with your phone ready if your phone is on your notes app, okay? Because while we sing, uh, if, if God in his goodness brings to mind, uh, whether it's a Bible verse that has been meaningful to you or whether it's something specific that he impressed upon you or something that God's already done and, and you've just forgotten, I want you to write it down or get a notepad, do whatever. And then when you go home, and you do watch the game, and don't text me any scores. I'm recording it all. I'll be very upset. Um, I will forgive you after a long while. Um, but maybe before you watch the game or do whatever this afternoon, you, you make an act of worship. I'm going to take 10 minutes, and I'm just going to jot down where God has been faithful in my life. Start there. And then in moments of sadness or weakness, go, go back there. Sit there. 
Remember the faithfulness of God. It's not an exaggeration to say that this has been a tough season in our life as a church. In the last couple of weeks, we've made some announcements about things that just grieve us, and it's been hard. In the eight years of being a part of this church, it has never been more difficult than the last 30 days. It, it is not, I thought starting the church would be hard. The last 30 days have been ridiculously difficult. Here's what I'm finding, though, and this should be an encouragement to you. I'm not bitter. I'm not disappointed. I'm not jaded. You know what I'm experiencing? The goodness of God. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like, I actually told my friend the other day, I'm like, I don't know if I'm leaving, living in complete denial or this is what it's like when the world seems to be falling apart around you and you know that God is with you and you know that he's going to walk you through and I'm, I'm going to think I'm not in denial. I'm just experiencing the goodness of God. And, and can that be a word of encouragement for you in your, in your struggle? God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on God. All right, stand up to your feet if you would. We want to respond with some songs. We're going to take the bread and the cup in a moment. We're going to remember Jesus. And, um, but do this. Have something ready. Please, don't, because if you sing the song, you'll forget how God's been faithful. So be ready to receive from the Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak again to us. Remind us, not only the goodness that you had over Joseph's life, but the goodness that you've had over our life. And Lord, we want to live like this leader of yours. We want to live like Jesus, who doesn't curse those who curse him, but blesses, who gives his life as a ransom for many, who love the world so much that he gave himself to save. God, we want to live like that. We want to lead like that. We invite your Holy Spirit to lead us forward. In Jesus' name, amen.